0: Hi and welcome everyone to the first official episode of Rabbit Hole Stories. Uh, today on Proof of Keys Day, 3rd of January, or whatever you want to call it basically, Genesis Block Day, we were thinking about this earlier uh, and this is Joelle speaking, I'm one of the co-hosts and I'll be listening into Ian's, the second co-host, Rabbit Hole Story today. But before we get started, Ian, maybe you do a short introduction about who you are.
1: Hey guys, first of all, Joel, how are you? Um, And uh, happy Proof of Keys Day to you, mate.
0: I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited. It's still. I'm still trying to get the print from the Times.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and you know, know I was thinking the um, the other week when um, uh, when we were recording our initial episode um, to get out the the noise out there for our uh, podcast. I was saying it was the Sunday times, but it wasn't, it was the times. And I was like, oh my God. And when I listened back to that, I was like, oh shit, why did I say Sunday times? For some reason I had Sunday on my
0: mind. (laughs) (laughs) To be honest, even if I think about the times, um, not that we should spend a lot of time thinking about it, but I also had Sunday times in my head, so don't worry about it. I think people will forgive us as long, Ian, as long as you don't give out sets.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to be accused of being a a grifter or anything like that.
0: (laughs) No, definitely not. But do you know
1: what? I was looking a little bit earlier today before before we came on here about, um, I typed in um, events on January 3rd. in google just to see if there's any sort of significant dates and stuff and a few quite interesting things were happening on january 3rd way back in the day <laughs> do you want to go through a couple yeah sure um what we got here so i just got some random website up what happened in uh, january 3rd um 1870 brooklyn bridge the construction work begins on brooklyn Bridge, that's one of the old, oldest suspension bridges in New York Tutankhamun, uh, the mummy was located the um, pharaoh, uh, Tutankhamun um, and all the treasures that were in it so that that tomb got <laughs> raided and the west nicked all its jewels uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, what else have we got here today? um Alaska became the 49th state of the United States of America. That's unfortunate for them. Uh, oh, uh, 1961.
0: Spoken <laughs> like a true <troop laughs> bread. Sorry about that. Uh,
1: 1961, USA-Cuba relationship basically falls apart. Eisenhower closed the American embassy located in Havana. So that was uh, going on then. What else we got? Uh, oil breaks the $100 a barrel mark on january 3rd 2008 hmm. what else have we got here so oh and the time uh, magazine um names com- the computer man of the year
0: <laughs> how significant is that it fits perfectly he really did pick the right date he day she it whatever it's yeah, attention.
1: and do you know what, it was apparently when Apple Incorporated got launched as well on this day.
0: No, that's not Yeah,
1: cool. I was just looking at that now. Apple, um, you'll have to Google that and verify that. But apparently, Corporation day, Apple Corporation Day, it was January 3rd, 1977.
0: It says, it says founded April 1st, 1976. Oh, see, this is why you should, don't trust, verify. What have I got but, but, here? But, oh, Steve. But hang on, on. But hang on. They met, they met then. It could be that they're really, let's see, let's see, let's see that's nineteen seventy-six. Then in August they somehow. Um yeah, Apple Computer Inc. was incorporated on January 3rd, 1977. Ah, that the company it is. The idea so probably th- beforehand existed. Right. Nice. Okay. Yeah.
1: So I thought it was a bit interesting. Just to Google that. Anyway, we we digress. Um Hi everyone, it's Ian. Joel's going to be talking to me today um, about my rabbit hole story. Um, honestly, I don't know where this is going to go um, or how DL it's going to be, but let's just go with it, roll with the punches, see where we end up down this rabbit hole um, of why and how I got into Bitcoin. And we can chat about anything you want, Joelle. Um, in relation to anything that's that's spoken about so let's let's get it let's get it going shall we
0: nice nice obviously the most important date on january 3rd in any historical context is the bitcoin genesis proof of key date like we said previously um and a lot of diff- different people have different perspectives with this one um but when i first read your rabbit hole story Ian, mm, because mm. i'm going to link it in the show notes um I was part shocked, part amazed. I read it while being at dinner with family uh, in one go. And it's fascinating. So there's so many questions I have following up. But if you would need to recap it in like five minutes, what got you into Bitcoin? We can go into the details later. And why do you think you stuck around?
1: Yeah, that's a good good place to start. <clears throat> I mean, there's a bit of a backstory. Um, some of it is directly connected to Bitcoin. Some of it's indirectly connected to Bitcoin because mainly it was circumstantial. Um, The seed was planted in my mind, although I didn't know it at the time years before I actually woke up to what Bitcoin was because it was only a time when I was reflecting back um, as you do um, when you're middle aged and lots of stuff happening in your life you start to reflect back. And I was just trying to think back towards, you know, like the happy memories I had. And then there was a time when I was in college, I was doing a night course in my local town where I lived at the time in uh, Northamptonshire. And I was doing an electrician's course um, a couple of evenings a week. And the tutor that was teaching us, it was just a, a group of... Um, I don't know 30 odd year old men there's about sort of 15 of us on the course all studying to become a qualified electrician and the tutor who was of a similar age to us but he was in the trade for quite a long time and he just started um, discovering um, crypto and he was going on and on and on about all these cryptos that he was suddenly investing in Um, I'm trying to think of one that he he mentioned, I think one of them might have been Ripple or something like that, or Stella, was there one called Stella many, many years ago, I don't know if that's still around, but he was saying, oh yeah, you guys need to invest in this stuff, he was actually going on about these cryptos more than he was actually teaching us about um, our course. (laughs) but you know I I kind of was curious about it and I thought you know what it it sounds like um, a bit of a gamble to be honest and it's something that I didn't really have time or the capacity for in my life at the time so I just sort of like pushed it to the side and never thought about it again until many years later um, I was thinking about that college and how you know it was pretty it was a pretty fun course and um, it just popped into my mind about the whole crypto thing again it made me giggle and it made me curious about what, what's going on in that space? And I was hearing a lot on the news anyway, um, mainly obviously bad-mouthing uh, the space. And uh, the curious curiosity got the better of me. And I just Googled, um, what was it? I Googled price of uh, crypto because I didn't even know what it meant, let alone the individual cryptos. And then um, I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to throw some money at the top 10, whatever the top 10 were, and I just put a couple of hundred quid in each of the top 10, and just sort of like, just observed it for a little bit to see what it was doing, at the time there was a little bit of a ball run, I didn't even know what a ball run was, I just saw a line going up and down, <laughs> and I uh, thought, oh, do you know what, that's that's good, my, my 200 pounds now, a little bit more. Then uh, I started pumping a bit more in it, and the more I was pumping into it, the more sort of nervous I was getting about what I'm putting my money towards. So I was like, do you know what, I better do some some more research. So I started looking and Googling and researching all the um, coins that I was invested in at the time. One of them, obviously, number one, was Bitcoin. So I started um, from number 10 and started working my way up, Um and it soon became apparent to me that there wasn't really um much information about the uh, ethics or the uh, design of these cryptos and what it is that they're there for that i could see that was really sort of meaningful and made sense to me it just seemed like a load of sort of buzzwords in and a sales pitch And, uh, you know, I started watching YouTube videos. I was looking at the um, traders on YouTube that were very excited, going live and talking about their trades and doing short in this and short in that. And I was like, you know what, there could be money to be made here if I just sort of concentrate and listen to these people a little bit because I was like, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I understand a little bit about what these cryptos are, but they still don't make sense to me. There's not much information about it. So i just sort of like be guided by these people that seem to be knowing what they're talking about and where they're putting their money. So I just sort of like started to to go down that road until I, I was reading more about Bitcoin. And then I read about Satoshi Nakamoto. I started Googling things like... Um, uh, what is money which which is one of the early uh, searches I did because I read that um, through a forum that you know there was a link there what is money I think it was like a, a breed love video but then there's another one um, I saw that I thought was quite interesting um, what was the name of it cold fusion or something where he has this video about what is money uh, where money comes from and I was like, "Oh fuck it No, that, my, my my mind was kind of blown by that, and that's when the 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 two and two um, came together for me about the cryptos because I was like, "What's the difference between the crypto then and and money?" And then I then I just started falling down rabbit hole after that. Bitcoin just became um, more and more appealing to me the more I read about it and understood it. And it wasn't until I was on a flight going over to Vegas. Not for gambling or anything like that. My partner's uh, parent, uh, one of my partners, um, one parent from my partner lives out there. So he's going out there to visit them. And I I downloaded um, the Bitcoin standard on Audible and I gave that a listen. And by the time I landed, I was like, you know what? Yeah, Bitcoin only. And I just, um, as soon as I got hold of some Wi-Fi, I transferred all of my stuff over to Bitcoin and I haven't looked back since. So that's the premise.
0: I'm curious because on the one hand, I feel like a lot of interviews we will do in the future as well will always see the same pattern. Mm. People might get in because of price. Um, I'm sure we're also interview people who might get in because this is literally the only option they can have. Um, how quickly or how fast did it take you until you realized that this is not about price? There's actually more behind this.
1: Even after... Um, thinking, do you know what, Bitcoin only, I was still very much focused on, on the price action of it and how much money I can make from it. Because initially, when I saw the Bitcoin price, um, probably like most people, when they don't really understand crypto and Bitcoin, they think, oh, that's very expensive, I missed the boat on this one, I'm too late, all the millionaires have already been sort of... Um, you know, all, all those people early on have made their millions and I'm too late. So <clears throat> I was still kind of like, mm, maybe I can just put my money in it, keep an eye on the price action, still with a little bit of that kind of bad habit I got from the, the trading um, initiation that I had into Bitcoin. And that was kind of keeping an eye on what the price was doing every day, multiple times a day, thinking to myself, oh, should I... Take it out, should I put it in a stable coin, then I started looking at stable coins um and thinking okay so if if it goes to this point, it starts coming down. I'm going to take it out, put it in the stable coin, wait for it to go you know i was I was already i was, I, was, I was still thinking about the the price action and how to manage it for profits, and it wasn't until i don't know the more um curious I was and the more I was reading and listening to various podcasts, uh, reading articles um, on the internet and on Twitter, where I thought, you know what, this is a little bit deeper than just the price. Uh, Until then I thought actually it's a lot deeper than just the price. Um, So I think that took me from the moment of like transferring all my cryptos over into bitcoin to then sort of looking at the price action of bitcoin to then not even caring about what the price is just to sort of and then going at a deeper level and looking underneath the the surface at where you know like an iceberg the biggest bit of the iceberg's underwater right as soon as you have a peak I just had to keep going and just sort of explore it a bit more and that took me about I don't know 6 months I reckon before um uh, I moved away from that um, way of um, treating Bitcoin. And, do you know, I, I kind of feel a little bit bad for doing it. Uh, I, I almost feel like I, I, I mistreated Bitcoin. But I suppose everyone has has their own journey in, into it. Um, and not everyone comes straight into it, fully understanding it at a deeper level. Um I'm just curious as to really how many people got it straight away and never really looked at the price and just sort of, you know, just embraced it. But I don't, I think that's quite few and far
0: between. I was just about to say, six months from, can we say going going Bitcoin in only Hmm. to ignoring price? That's a pretty fast, pretty fast um, evolution there on your end. Because I know, pioneers in the space they they got in in like 2010 2011 they still focus on price even though it's like you said that that they've made a nice profit even now with with the prices we have today so um that was pretty fast that was pretty fast
1: yeah do you know what i I kind of almost caught a bit of a bitcoin bug and
0: i've never been able to shake it off since (laughs) and uh to be fair was that previously to COVID? Because I feel like in COVID so many of us had more time to dive down into the topics. Do you know it was
1: just, just before um I'll probably say it was about um actually it was about six months before COVID um <clears throat> when when um I came into it. And I think it yeah, then it took me six months to really sort of go, uh, no, Bitcoin only and sort of um fully understanding it well not fully understanding it because I still don't fully understand it today but you know understanding it to the point where I'm like this is significant this is this is more than just sort of a uh, money go up situation this is um you know ethically um where I need to put my money and you know <sighs> Ever since the lockdown and stuff like that, then yeah, you're right, that's that's when the real research began. So I kind of got a head start, really, on that, because um, it was Bitcoin only by the time COVID hit. And then um, was really able to then fully commit to the time uh, during lockdowns to really give it the uh, respect of research that it deserved.
0: Nice. I feel like lockdowns were for newer generations of Bitcoin a great or Bitcoin was a great alternative to whatever was going on um, during the world at that time. Uh, And I remember looking back now, so many friends of mine, actually, they texted me like a couple of weeks ago before Christmas. Um, I get Bitcoin now. I'll have a quote for later, maybe down the, the, uh, the show, something I picked up on Reddit, which I feel a lot of people resonate with. And this is what I get from friends and family as well, where they were like, holy shit, I I understood what they did wrong when they printed so much money in that short period of time. And now I get Bitcoin or I had friends um, who saw the uh, tuckers at the protest um, in Canada and they're like, holy fuck, this is why Bitcoin exists. Because if it weren't for Bitcoin, they, they would not have been able to, I don't know, pay rent, get stuff to buy, stuff to eat um so it's crazy even though you have such dark times or such significant events um i'm always curious if that was the time people spent nicely um because even me even myself as i've been in bitcoin a bit longer than you um i use that time extensively to like like you said research and understand certain topics a bit better
1: yeah there was quite a lot of um major events happening during the covid lockdowns obviously the lockdown itself was a major um discussion point for a lot of people but also um, yeah it, it just everyone was at home stuck in on their phones or watching their tv and you couldn't distract yourself from the, the usual day-to-day distractions um, so you were kind of literally your your, your, fo- your attention was focused um, towards the Legacy media, actually, because people were looking at the situation about lockdowns they were listening to the Prime Minister coming on doing these regular briefings about the latest statistics of people that had died during the covid uh, for that period of time um, so there's quite a lot of fear going around there was a lot of um, a lot of uncertainty and and uh, when, when people were obviously in front of their TVs, on their phones, you know, reading all the, uh, the the situation that was going on globally, it was almost like Bitcoin was a shining beacon there, just waiting for them just to sort of like uh, stumble across it. And a lot of people did stumble over the uh, Bitcoin beacon uh, that was just glowing in plain sight. Um, so it did um, have a huge influx of, it seems anyway, a huge influx of, of the new wave of, of Bitcoiners.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I'll read you the the, the final, I can send you the, the full image if you want to later, and I'll try and link it somehow. Um, and I love this statement. This is a guy who posted it on Reddit. The, the title is, I think I finally understand Bitcoin. And he goes into how stuff works. And in the end, he has a, the, the, the closing section where he goes, Bitcoin takes out the corruption of humans because the humans that created it stepped away. Sure, people will build corrupt systems around it, but Bitcoin itself is a simple, pure and elegant vehicle, silently ticking away in the background until the ticking becomes so loud that no one can ignore it, which is a major stepping point for me during that time. And I'm happy that we also will have um, people on who may be not so long into Bitcoin, that they can tell us a full story.
1: Yeah, no, I'd be interested to hear that.
0: Yeah, because I'm interested in your aspects. Um, for anyone, like I said previously, if you haven't read Ian's full rabbit hole story written out, what is it, about 10,000 words? It's a long one.
1: Oh my God. Yeah, it's about that. Yeah, it's about 10,000 words.
0: Takes you about 20 to 30 minutes to read, depending on how fast you read. Um, and you had a lot of, you're, you're very emotional, very open, which is always nice to see. Um, But a big part, you said, was you got into gambling. You realized, hey, something is wrong with the money system, or with money in general, as that is. And then you started digging or started making your way down your rabbit hole. Um, Once you started that research, what was the one thing where you stumbled across and you were like, oh, my God, I need to either dive down deeper or you sort of had that mind explosion moment. Um, I can show you an example for me, it was scarcity, what a limited supply actually means and how that will benefit in the future. Um, for others, that might be, uh, what is proof of work? What is mining all of these things? What was that for you? It can also be a philosophical thing.
1: Do you know what? It was, um, the same, to be honest, it was really, if I think about it deep enough, it was about the scarcity of it, but moving back a step from that, I really had to think uh, about what scarcity was. And I know that sounds weird and um, something that, you know, is an obvious thing. But thinking about it later on, um, looking back at it, of of why I was thinking about what even scarcity was, it was because, um, and the answer I came up with when I was reflecting back on it was, well, we're, we're kind of brought into a world where scarcity doesn't exist it's you know everything is like this huge big consumerism you know everyone wants to buy the latest thing there's no value in anything they're printing the shit out of money um so scarcity isn't um something that we easily recognize well, certainly something i didn't e- easily recognize um and it was uh again listening to the uh, bitcoin standard quite early on they talk about the um scarcity of things that were used as trade um in africa like the agri beads and and things like that um where i started thinking you know what yeah of course it, money needs to be scarce to be valuable because if everyone had it then nobody would want it and it just it was just almost almost like staring me in 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 front of my face like come on you know scarcity matters here and and when when I knew um, because I already knew that bitcoin had the you know it was decentralized I kind of understood that quite early on Um, but it it was the, the scarcity one the 21 million only bitcoin and then a bit of me was a bit skeptical about that because the other cryptos was still a little bit haunting me in my mind about um, the the fact that they can just sort of digitally produce more at a whim if they wanted to and change their supply. Um, I I, I needed to really sort of verify the whole Satoshi Nakamoto thing. And um, did they just leave it alone and, do we know who it is? I, I kind of went down multiple different mini rabbit holes about scarcity and about who is in control of it. Because I think, you know, if if we if anyone else can tamper with the supply, then surely Bitcoin supply can be tampered with. But then I very soon discovered that, that it can't. It's, you know, 21 million. And that's That's it. It's a hard, hard cap on that. So it it was really when I realized the scarcity and that was like you know what yeah this is solid because they they and obviously during the covid they're printing exponentially exponentially um a huge amount of 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 money um which was in direct contrast to to what bitcoin um to what bitcoin is so yeah it was it was the scarcity
0: Isn't it funny I remember when we were well after opening up and everything with the lockdowns um depending how you live your life. Some people never live by the rules. Um, <clears throat> present company may be included. Um, I remember speaking to my friends and I was like, they just started inflation basically. And this was like May 2020. Um, and it's funny when you now explained it, I was like, I, I had flashbacks again. It's like, oh shit, like this is what happened with like Steve or this is what happened with like Sarah. Not the real names, not talking people here. Um, when we spoke about X, Y, and Z, because normal people, the way our current system is built, you're never going down that road or you even think that advanced of, hey, what if money just had like a fixed supply? Or what if the the amount a country could spend in a year, in a month, whatever, would be fixed to certain, I don't know, standards, issues, an element possibly, we'll get down to that later on. and that's, that's really scary. Again, scarcity, scary. It is quite common in name almost uh, that a lot of people sort of have that first touch point there to really start thinking. Um, once you got the scarcity thing, what was the next thing for you? Where you thought, okay, I understood the, the limited supply. What was that next thing that kept you going?
1: So once I understood the scarcity side of things, um, it was impossible to ignore the fiat system. And if anything, it got me kind of pissed off. It got me angry about the system. So I started doing a bit more uh, digging around about the... I I revisited actually what is money. And I I, I kind of refreshed my mind about um, where money comes from, who creates it? Who's the central reserve? Um, when we came off the gold standard in 1971, um, temporarily. And it, it the more I started looking into fiat, the more it reinforced the, more uh, it, it reinforced a confidence within me about what Bitcoin is and what it represents. And, I actually, then started falling down a little bit of the because um, once once I started looking into the scarcity side of things, I, I, I stumbled into the whole energy conversation about Bitcoin being you know uh, warming up the seas and things like that, and I was like, oh shit! I, I, I never I never got sold on it, but I, I was kind of like, I do care about the environment, no, like you know I do care about what um, you know I'm doing to the planet. Um and it then even made me question about further down the line, my whole mindset about uh the environment and all all Bitcoin ever did to me really um from the moment the penny dropped was make me more curious than I've ever been in my life before. And that's why I came up with a question in Bitcoin thing because I think I said it last time. Um, you know, I want to put out questions I don't know the answer to but and there are things i think i know the answer to but i'm going to ask the question anyway just to verify it and just to get other people's opinion because the the more i, I or more feedback i got from people and the more things i read about it the more i was like Do you know what this is kind of a bulletproof thing this is it's like bitcoin does fix that bitcoin does fix this like you know and all the um slogans that were coming up like you know uh bitcoin uh, makes war unaffordable and all these little things all these little sound bites, were things that i thought you know why how does it make war unaffordable what is that about so then i'll just start researching that asking questions about it um and it just becomes this kind of and the more like <laughs> i can, I can only describe it as i started scratching the surface of bitcoin And then, when I discovered something, the more eager I became at digging, and the more rantic it became, (laughs) or frantic, and I was like, sort of like digging at a fast pace, sort of like being fascinated by everything that I, you know, I stumbled across. So yeah, that's that's when I started to fall down, and it's then hard to tell you exactly at what point was um, the next step because it was just sort of like I had like. 20 tabs open on my browser with all different questions and subjects going on all at the same time. And I was just trying to consume it as quick and as fast as possible. I've slowed down now, (laughs) I've slowed down now because I'm trying to be a bit more methodical with it, but it's that kind of adrenaline almost, um, or that kind of like, fuck is this too good to be true? Let me try and find the error in the code here and it's, it's
0: nowhere to be seen. Do you know the meme where you see two Google windows? The first one is like, I don't know, 1pm, what is money? And the second one is one (laughs) ten. where can I buy Bitcoin? I can send it to you later on. (laughs) That's one of my favorite memes.
1: (laughs) There's moments in bed when I'm just sort of like can't get to sleep and my head's ticking over. I just grab my phone and just start Googling the shit out of Bitcoin.
0: Yeah, yeah. Same to be honest. Or Or if you're, I don't know, Sunday on the couch nothing really to do you just pick up your stuff and i saw
1: i saw a a meme the other day and um it was i don't know it was was a a picture of somebody uh somebody's partner speaking to them and then they're nodding like they're listening but really in their head it's ticking over bitcoin only (laughs) in their head (laughs) well that was quite funny (laughs) <laughs> that's, that's me and my partner sometimes should be talking to me and all i've got in the mind at the moment is what's going on in bitcoin and she's talking to me about something um i know she's going to probably listen to this and uh I, I i love you babe and um i do really listen to you
0: <laughs> just smile and wave that's the basic the basic thing as a bitcoin partner right <laughs> so, but you met you brought up a, an interesting point you said Through that discovering, questioning things, you came up with your handle, questioning Bitcoin. Um, And if people follow you on Twitter, which I encourage everyone to do, they'll start seeing that you not only answer the, the basic Bitcoin questions, but you go down very deep and you often get very philosophical. So I don't know, we can bring up a current topic, maybe one of a few weeks past. Uh, yeah. You mis-misgendered or misgrouped Satoshi, depending how you look at stuff, um, and you sparked the whole conversation. What, I, what I'm curious about, because you're sort of the guy who thinks through all of these steps, mm. um, was it also a philosophical part that kept you going with the Bitcoin research? Because there's a whole different area to that field as well.
1: Yeah, it's you know what. Um... That's an interesting and Nothing that I've really ever considered before. But thinking about the person that I I am, really, I I am, I suppose, quite philosophical. Um, I'm always ticking over something in my head and pondering it. Um, And when it comes to Bitcoin, it kind of opens up an infinite amount of doors because down the rabbit hole when I'm down there, I might be thinking about, I don't know, something that's popped up in the news today or just something that's randomly popped up in, into my head. And I start automatically sort of like trying to relate it to Bitcoin and see the link of how Bitcoin can, or does it relate to this and how does it relate to this? And then I start going down this sort of philosophical mindset. So yeah, some of the questions I put out there um, are philosophical. And usually I, I put stuff um, out there you probably noticed Joel um some days I'm like proper on Twitter I'm like posting once every half hour um but that's when I'm in full thinking mode and like um I'm, I'm that's that's the moment when I'm kind of down that mental rabbit hole um of sort of coming up with and and almost posting on Twitter almost to me is almost like my record of thoughts that I'm just putting out there um and when people re- respond it helps me to think about their perspective as well. Does that make sense? So it's like I I, I I'm, I can understand something to only to a certain point because I've got my own bias and my own mindset and my own, you know, things about how I think things should be. Um, but putting it out there, sometimes you get, you know, some quite interesting comments coming back. Some of them are unusual, uh, some of them um, very good. And actually, um, a few things that people have responded has changed my mindset and it's made me think about it slightly differently. Um, so it's really, I, I use Twitter as a bit of a, a philosophical tool to really sort of use that as a, as, a, as a feedback mechanism. Uh, from from different people, Uh, lots of different people from lots of different mindsets uh, follow me. So there must be um, an appetite in a way for people to want to have that conversation, which I invite and is something that I I want to, to do because I think it's by having these conversations with people and getting that feedback, albeit some of it is a little bit unusual, but it's still... Valuable anyway. It gives me a picture in my mind about what's going on out there. Who is in Bitcoin? What is the mindset of people in Bitcoin? And and everything that I get back, I, I relate it back to Bitcoin
0: somehow. Yeah, and I mean it's it's, it's like you said, which is also something we'll cover here. Um, there's so many different opinions, philosophies, ideas in Bitcoin. Which is this is one of the downsides. I think it's sometimes hard to, as you said, keep focused. Mm. or trying to find, um, can we say a group, a niche you want to fit in? Um, yeah. But yeah, just asking the question sometimes gives you the right answer. So,
1: Yeah, like, like, like I said in the intro episode, it's, there's so many different camps forming within Bitcoin. And it's good It's good to see that. You, you see there's so many different communities forming. Um, some that I don't think I'm ever going to be a member of or will agree with but i welcome that noise anyway you know we've all got to have uh, a conversation and for me it's it's made me rethink everything not only about bitcoin and economics and the political state of the world but it's made me reflect at a deeper level um about my ideologies the way i think um and and the way um, or, or the opinions i've f- formed over time i had to revisit those and and again sort of like recreate a new um mindset from scratch
0: you again a step further than many different bitcoiners a lot of bitcoiners would say i don't need to do this or
1: go fuck yourself or, or go fuck yourself
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly uh, that, that's that's a story for a different topic um But you you brought up one very interesting point there. You said you have certain beliefs, philosophies, etc. What is one thing, if you would need to nail it down, besides maybe monetary policy or politics in general, that Bitcoin changed about your worldview or your attitude towards things? If you need to nail it down, what would be the one thing?
1: Bitcoin has really changed for me. and that is my... Do you know what? It it sounds kind of horrible, but uh, it's true. It's kind of made me question um, my patriotism to um, not only my country, but just to sort of like the West, I suppose. Because, you know, you um hear about uh things in the news about we're gonna do this we're gonna do that it's for your safety um it's um for the benefit and for the good the greater good um and there was a time where I kind of sold in on that I thought you know what yeah Britain is is or England is good um you know we've we've only got um good intentions i know we've got a dark past uh, but we've we've kind of overcome that a little bit but to be honest i sold myself a lie it's it's not because you look at how the state is run not only the uk but globally uh, and america as well being like the global reserve currency of the world and the money printing situation and where they put that money, how they invest it, the people closest to the money printer get the benefit and then we have to pay for it down the line. Um, so it kind of made me a little bit, it felt felt, felt a little bit betrayed by my country. Um, and, you know, now that, that for me, I've separated my mind from that. And, um, you know, I, I love where I live, you know, it's, it's benefited me. It's privileged me. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I live in a house, I've got savings, you know, I'm able to invest in Bitcoin. There's a lot of privileges that I, I have as a result of living in this country. But also, um, if you think about it at a deeper level, it's, you know, yes, I might have benefited from it to a degree. But also, you know, that a lot of people get oppressed because of my privilege.
0: Yeah, it's uh, check your financial privilege if people... Uh, want to read a good book yeah gladstein isn't it yeah exactly um that's interesting i had a similar experience in 2016 um i'll I'll tell more about that in my rabbit hole story um but it's very impactful on your end because you used to be used to be a copper right you used to be a policeman
1: yeah i used to be a pig a rosa (laughs) or whoever you want to call me
0: for the Americans in the audience. You used to work for the police force. <laughs>
1: in law in law enforcement. Um yeah, I, I, I joined um the police uh at the turn of the uh at the uh, turn of the millennium, just just when the millennium was kicking in. And I did that for seventeen and a half years, Joelle. That's a long time. Um but yeah, I mean Wow if that's not an insight into um, how the state enforces its laws there's no there's no better um position to hold than being a police officer in London
0: can you maybe elaborate for people not living in London what that means
1: okay so i remember standing in the uh, hall in hendon where it was a residential training it was 18 weeks long where you lived in a little room, um, and you were just given a load of reading material to to read um, about police powers, procedure, um, you had to learn um, a certain amount of criminal law about criminal offenses. And then what your powers were in relation to each of these different offences and what you can and cannot do as a police officer if somebody is suspected of committing this particular type of criminal offence. So it was quite involved. It involved um, quite intensive uh, discipline in in Hendon. So everywhere we went, we couldn't um, walk alone. We had to have somebody else with us and march everywhere. (laughs) So if we were going... From um our dormitory to the classroom, we would have to march there um we would get paraded every day, our uniform inspected uh where somebody would go around and just sort of check if we're smart enough. so it was a real sort of um breaking in the horse moment you know this is a disciplined organization this is a has a command structure, a rank structure. You will listen to those people uh, of a higher rank than you, um, you know, because this is a disciplined service, just like the military. Um, And then when you go out there in the world after your training, um, you know, you've got your police officer powers. All of a sudden you're out there in uniform in a police car, responding to 999 calls. You don't know what's coming in. Something just popped up on the little screen that you you had in your car and it told you bare minimum information about what it is that you're going to um, and you just have to deal with it when you arrive. Um, and as a police officer in, in London or the UK, you have your police powers 24 hours a day, seven days a week, whether or not you're in uniform So I could be off duty doing my weekly shop um, and see something. And even then I'll be duty bound to do something as a police officer because my powers still exist even when I'm not at work. So if anything, thinking about it now just popped into my head. um, It kind of separates you from the identity of who you really are, because really you have to be on duty all the time in, in a way um because you're 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 expected to 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 do something if something presents itself in front of you um so it really it kind of indoctrinates you into this mindset of you know I'm a police officer um on and off duty so I've, you know it it kind of sucks you into this
0: kind of uh, world crazy so you, you you essentially never escape the I call it the legacy system for now
1: you never escape you never really escape the shackles of 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 what you've signed up to because when when i um first started Hendon, um i remember standing in this hall with like 300 other people um mainly white men let's put it out there um there was there was hardly anyone else there but we stood in this hall and had to read uh, from this projector screen um that had sort of like aerial font centered on the PowerPoint um, that we all had to say out together in sync in front of a magistrate, uh, like a a court personnel who witnessed us saying this oath of allegiance to the queen and the country and the monarchy and faithfully and diligently executing our, um, um, you know, powers in, in 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 a certain way in accordance to law to the queen and country blah 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 and then we had to sign a book which was again witnessed by a magistrate um in so this my signature is somewhere in some dusty book in some archive somewhere uh where i've signed um, a pledge to to the queen
0: when you left the police force did you have to like sign out essentially or is that is that bound to life
1: no and this is this is the mad thing right um i have to be fairly careful about what i say because very soon after that um i had to sign a bit of paper called the official secrets act where i I can't talk about particular cases and this and that and the other um so you know even even beyond leaving i'm still I've, i've still got the um scars of of the state um or the, the noose around my neck if you like that if i misbehave in some way they can just tug on this noose
0: oh yeah i know exactly what you mean <laughs> i have a friend who worked in uh, intelligence not gonna name which country um and essentially i was writing a report once and he told me stop the minute you continue asking me this Basically, the police force will show up in like 12 hours in front of your door. Mm. Um, so I can imagine what... Um, I just had a couple of movie references in my head what <laughs> you're speaking to there. But what's interesting there is if we compare that to Bitcoin, Bitcoin is not only a financial system, which I hope we will uncover soon. Um, I think we already uncovered it here with your answers, but we'll definitely have more meat to the bone in the future. Um It's also an open, permissionless, censorship-resistant tool to whatever extent you want to use it. If you compare that to that world you just described, if you would need to sum up the difference between the legacy world and Bitcoin in one sentence, what would that be?
1: Bitcoin is freedom. I mean, Bitcoin um, is an opt-in and that's freedom just there right in front of your face you, you you're, you've you got the freedom to choose whether to to use bitcoin um and when you do choose bitcoin you're free to then do what you want with that bitcoin because you know thinking back now um there was um i, cannot, and I can't remember when this policy Um, came in whether it was law or policy at the time I don't know but there was a moment when I was in the police where I had a briefing and it was like if anyone has uh, cash on them um, to the value of a thousand pounds or more you've got the right as a police officer to seize that one thousand pounds because it then becomes automatically a suspicious amount of money that that person is carrying upon their person so you can go up to a person if you've got them the grounds to to search them for something or other and they've got a £1,000 on them, you can just take that £1,000 and seize it for suspicion of criminal activity, even though there's no other evidence of that. Um, So that just goes some way of, of highlighting the difference between Bitcoin and the fiat. Um, particularly when it comes to, to cash, when you're carrying cash around in your pocket. And there's been times where actually, and I don't do this often, so don't think about mugging me. There was, uh, there has been a couple <laughs> of times in my life where I've been walking around with actually a thousand pound in my pocket for one reason or another. None, nothing to do with criminality whatsoever. I just, you know, had that money in my pocket. And it, if you think about it, if I was stopped for whatever reason by police, which is unlikely because of who, <laughs> my identity, but... If I was, for whatever reason, and the police officer did find that £1,000, then they could just take it. Even though I can just justify what it's for, they would still have the power to seize it. Um, and it would be a difficult legal process for me to get it back.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, the money we carry around is actually not our money. <laughs> That's a crazy thing, right?
1: <laughs> exactly. It's an IOU. And, I, and, and the moments like that when the police take it off you, it's the state reclaiming their funds.
0: You mentioned Bitcoin as freedom as a sentence, which I love to dive down into. In your words, is freedom then having the possibility through Bitcoin to, if I want to pay my relatives in America, I can pay them. If I want to go out on this holiday, I don't need to bring my wallet with you. I can just have my seat words in the back of my head or my wallet on my phone. What is freedom to you if you had to dive down a bit deeper into that topic?
1: Well, freedom for me, yes, obviously you can just transact with anyone you want. And that's the whole point of the the whole freedom thing. You're not bound by the... Laws of the state when it comes to monetary policy, and that's why I hate it so much. And that's why they go to towards the fud of Bitcoin is used for criminals. And look, of course, it probably is. But if you are a criminal using Bitcoin, you're a little bit silly using Bitcoin for criminal activity because of the the public ledger and for a variety of other reasons. But um, going back to the original point. Um, With the freedom thing, um, having pure ownership of something um, is so valuable. Um, And then having an ability to use that value to trade with other people anywhere in the world. You know, I can buy coffee uh, with Bitcoin and it can get shipped to me. Um, and it's not bound by the usual kind of tariffs that the central authorities want to take their cut from. Um, so for me, it, you know, that, that that is freedom enough.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'll be interested to hear if we have, like, human rights activists on what their answers will be. But it's essentially, for me, personal as well, what you just mentioned. Uh, actually, I have a funny example for this one. Whenever I orange pill a friend of mine and I'm saying like, okay, send me a hundred bucks on, I don't know, your bank account. Here's my like account number. And I'll then send you Bitcoin from my wallet to the wallet directly we install. You know what the number one response is I get? You think my bank will allow that transfer? Ah, uh, yeah. Which is crazy. Imagine they ask their bankers or banksters, if they can spend their own money and this is just the, the pure essence for me why we need bitcoin because none none of us should ask anyone what we do with our money if you want to save it save it if you want to spend it spend it um i don't feel like you're attached to, to some institutions telling you what to do essentially
1: is exactly. it reminds me of the bitcoin is freedom thing of the i was listening or watching the bitcoin conference 2022 in miami and um, there was a couple of people on stage there talking about Bitcoin as freedom with, um, oh, who is it? I must have been Gladstein, because he he, he does a lot of the kind of human rights aspects um, around Bitcoin, which I highly respect his work, actually, and he's written very um, intensive and um, interesting pieces that, you know, I I enjoy reading. But I remember the forum there was uh, talking about uh, what freedom is for people across the world. um, And... Giving examples of certain areas uh, where um, people are oppressed by their uh, government in some way, or, or the state, and how they are, you know, um, untangling themselves from from the state by using Bitcoin. Um, and for me, that that was just like a mind blowing moment. As like, of course, you know, if you think about the world and um, the the, the state that some people are living under um and and what opportunities bitcoin can provide them for them for their financial freedom and um uh, and yeah that, that for me that's that's amazing
0: yeah and i mean the one thing bitcoin does it it starts questioning your former beliefs then at the same time it also changes you and to an extent i think your network your friends family and all that oh
1: god yeah yeah it does
0: uh, in your experience, because you, you had quite a touching moment. If you want, we can dive into the whole thing, what happened um, within your family and stuff, like you mentioned it in the, the rabbit hole story, the written one. Um, looking at it today, off top of camera, before we spoke about um, your your partner, how sometimes there are days where like, you can't go back and forth, and there are days where you talk about everything else but Bitcoin. How did it change your... Your inner circle, the people around you, once you got into that Bitcoin phase, did did the buck catch on, or are you slowly trying to convince them?
1: Mm, that's an interesting question, um, and it makes me think, uh, rethink um, how I, I think my mindset was primed to discover Bitcoin before I discovered Bitcoin. And what I mean by that is I I came from quite uh, a chaotic marriage that broke down quite uh, dramatically. Um, So there there was a a significant part, uh, a moment in my life, a chapter within my life where everything blew up for me and I was left with the destruction. But what that destruction gave me was an opportunity to wipe the slate clean. And I was already doing the work at um, rebuilding my life. And in the process of doing that, I was trying to build it better than, than what I had before. So I was already putting in um, the people around me that meant the most to me. The people that I knew were despite um, um everything, so they were stick by me. Um if I've changed my mindset, they're open to that. We can discuss it. And I, I, I started putting in um a lot of um I say I was putting in, I, I was fortunate enough mm-hmm for a lot of people to gravitate towards me with kindness and openness and that gave me then the strength to um, move forward in a more positive way than I ever had before and it was in that mindset I was already in when I was reflecting back looking at um, the good parts of my life when I was thinking about back to the college one uh, example that I brought up earlier Um, so I was already kind of I suppose it was a slow kind of smouldering thing where I was already trying to put in place the right people around me, uh, the right environment. Um, And my mindset was starting to change about a lot of things because it was the first time after coming out of the marriage I was in that I was really able to think about myself and who I am and connect with myself again, because I did lose myself somewhat in, in in my marriage. Um, so really it was, I'm going to do a bit of,
0: um, I'm going to do something for myself for a change. Do you think if Bitcoin happened sooner, would that make a difference in your first marriage? Well, I don't think
1: really. Um, so if Bitcoin was, was discovered, what if I discovered Bitcoin sooner?
0: Yeah. Well, let's say Bitcoin came about, I don't know, 20 years earlier than what it did. That would have changed something because i think that would have been roughly the time period not maybe 10 years earlier um where all of the stuff was going down
1: in well in the circumstances i was living in i don't think it would I, i don't think i would have um had the time or independence or thought to really discover it in in the way that i was able to when i was out of my marriage because you know I was always struggling financially. It was difficult to keep my head above water. You know, I was I was um my energy bills were were um not getting paid. You know, I was struggling. I was I was paddling water. Um so I was too busy trying to survive the day to day. And if you ever said to me around that time, have you thought about investing your money in something else like Bitcoin? I'd have been like, nope, I would would have completely dismissed it without even giving it a second thought because I was just too busy trying to get out of the hole that I was in.
0: That sort of shows to me the evolution Bitcoin also took because you you described a life path you took. You had that marriage. Um, That marriage also came out of a happy place, I guess. If you, again, if you read them, uh, Ian's rabbit hole story in full you'll, you'll know what I mean um, but it's, it's ups and downs you have different tree branches if you look at life as a tree um, at the same to be happening with Bitcoin it didn't happen in 08 essentially it was an, a technology and evolution happening way back 40 years almost going back with different bobs and pieces if you look at your understanding of Bitcoin today and again none of us truly understand everything What do you think out of your learnings in the past is the one thing you're looking forward to with Bitcoin that, you know, once you maybe read more about it or certain things happen that you'll dive down deeper into or certain things where you say, okay, if this happens, I'm almost sure that Bitcoin will fix ABC.
1: So what what do I think the future holds for Bitcoin? Well this is the this the, the whole mindfuck really um because the opportunity for bitcoin is pretty endless um because you've got the layer 1 which is bitcoin itself but anything can be built on top of it i know we've got the lightning network but if you think about the potential of this sound money um has as a base Layer to everything else, then, and you think, what well, is everything else? That, and and how that relates to the how you can contrast that with the world today. It's it's kind of like you know you, you, a political subject might come up, or you know some other topic where you're like, uh, but would this even exist under Bitcoin? Would this be necessary? Um, and what was it I was talking about the other day? Was it on Twitter was somebody? I, I it was a question about um, basically, I said something along the lines of basically, the police need crime in order to continue to exist, so do they have any incentive to really solve crime? Um, and it then someone raised a point about um, my tweet, I can't remember exactly what it was, Um uh, I think it. Uh, was relating to um the types of crime or crime would be less prevalent than it is under under bitcoin and i thought actually yeah it would be because the main um type of offences that are committed in the uk and it has been for a very long time and still is to this day are theft related offences And a theft-related offence might be theft itself, like shoplifting, you go into a shop, you pick up something, you walk out of it without paying, that's theft. But also you've got robbery, where somebody, you know, takes your handbag at a knife point or something like that. That's a theft-related offence. Burglary, people breaking into people's houses to take their belongings is a theft-related offence. And I was thinking about if we're under a Bitcoin standard, it will save a lot of the... It, it will help, I feel, in some way or in a, in a big way to um, what poverty is and how prevalent poverty is under a Bitcoin standard. And um, it reminds me of a talk that Jeff Booth was on about, about, um, what was it? Scarcity of money equals abundance in everything else or something along those lines. And it's the abundance um, side that it's not just a technological abundance, but it's an abundance of everything. And if you've got more abundance in the world, then surely you're going to have less uh, crime. People uh, are in less dire need uh, of their day-to-day survival because of the money supply is being diluted. uh, And the people who are the poorest are the people who are going to suffer the hardest first. And if that system doesn't exist anymore, then it's going to solve a lot of um, social issues in the community.
0: You think there are certain things which Bitcoin just can't fix. Obviously, there are certain things like someone nicks your car. Bitcoin doesn't help you there. (laughs) But they're definitely uh, very deep topics where I personally feel Bitcoin is not there yet to be the solver for that problem. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, well, Bitcoin can't fix human behavior. It can't. It can't fix the the person using Bitcoin, um, and that's always going to be um, the case because you can't change people. People, and when you when you bring freedom into that, um, you know, it's going to invite a lot of people to um, behave in different ways. It's going to change the dynamic of the human behavior, I think, ultimately. What that looks like, I don't know, of course. Um Could it be a good thing? Could it be a bad thing? It could be a bit of both. You know, things change and it's never going to be a perfect world because people are going to be in it. And it's the people that ruin it for everyone else. <laughs> so, um yeah, Bitcoin can't fix people.
0: That's a pretty epic, pretty epic statement before we move on to the next segment ian i also prepared some quick fire questions for you just to keep the flow going a bit before we get into the final section of the um, episode are you ready to answer it's six questions with um put me the in the spot now i'm a little bit nervous but go for it go for it no worries no worries you got this you got this so first one element zero
1: yeah i put that on twitter the other day we have a week um when I said Bitcoin is element zero, and I, I, I and I um, hashtagged connect, um, the author of Bitcoin Everything divided by twenty-one million, the book that I was reading at the time that inspired that tweet in the first place, because I was reading that that chapter in his book, um, and it was an alchemy. The the, the 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 chapter was called Alchemy, and it was talking about um, the element. And where Bitcoin fits in, um, and it was it was fascinating. I actually listened to it on Audible. I've got the um, physical book and the Audible uh, version of it, which I'm alternating between. But. <laughs> Bitcoin being element zero, it, it caused a little bit of controversy. Well, it didn't cause controversy. It created a discussion, which is exactly what I, you know, when I put a tweet out there, that's what I want people to respond. And it was a mixed response. Um, it is a hypothetical theory. It is, it is a, um, an analogy, if you like, of, of what it represents. But ultimately, it was comparing gold so bitcoin is what i understood it to be um and the durability the fungibility the you know of what makes something valuable and it had gold in the elements and how the alchemists were trying to replicate it had they did rec- it, had they succeeded in replicating it it would have you know changed the value of gold completely but really they should have been looking at a deeper level and at the information that is um within the elements Um, where the key really lies because everything comes down to being information at the end of the day. And it was talking about how Bitcoin is information and it's that information um, and the value of that information and uh, of what Bitcoin is, uh, which in essence can be uh, its own element in its own right, which is weightless um, and uh, exists in some realm somewhere. Um, but still can be proved uh, without uh, doubt that this thing exists because you hold the, the code for it in your hands.
0: Okay, so I'll change it from quickfire to question and answer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I forgot that you were saying quick fire, but carry on.
0: No worries, no worries. <laughs> I'll lo- I the answer anyway. Um, what comes to mind if you hear proof of work?
1: Um, it's a, oh, yeah, This is not going to be quickfire, Joe, I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> no worries. <laughs>
1: It took me a while to f- figure out what proof of work was, um really uh proof of state, proof of work blah blah blah, blah. but also like um okay, let's get it down to it. Proof of work means you've 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 worked hard to get it, and the harder you work, the more um you um the more value that that thing should have. That's the bottom line for me. The, the harder you work for it, and the hard people work for something, the more the more uh, valuable it should be.
0: Nice, nice. That was a cool, short answer. There see? you go. There you go. I tried. Uh, that's a hot question coming up. Is Bitcoin a weapon?
1: Hmm. Uh, in essence, no. I don't think it is a weapon. Um, but thinking, if I was on the other side of the the, the pitch in the opposite team in, in in the WEF and all the IMF and things like that, and the central bank, I would feel pretty threatened by Bitcoin. Um, and it might seem like a weapon to them because it completely... Um, actually, do you know what? It, it's not a weapon because it disarms. It doesn't. It, it doesn't fight. It disarms.
0: And I mean, at the end of the day, anything is a weapon if you choose to make something out of
1: it. Yeah, that's true. And in, in law, that's true as well. Uh, offensive Weapons Act, you know, you can be a, have a pen in your hand and that can be an offensive weapon.
0: <laughs> I mean, your hand could be a weapon, essentially. Yeah, a hand. yeah absolutely, yeah. So, <laughs> you got um, just the word legacy system. What comes to mind if you hear that?
1: Legacy system, uh, out of date, out of fashion, misinformed, and. Um, Uneducated and um, unwilling to change—that's what legacy means to me.
0: Nice. So let's let's dive down a bit deeper. What comes to mind if you hear fractional reserve banking?
1: What comes to mind is just—it's more of a physical reaction and it's an eye roll. You probably saw me do it.
0: To, ex- to, ex- to sh- explain to everyone listening and not seeing, obviously, yeah, did a giant eye roll as soon as I said it. So um, <laughs> no more statements needed there. And finally. Peter Schiff.
1: What you want me to, to to tell me tell you what I think of Peter Schiff? No, yeah, why not? He 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 just needs to admit that Bitcoin is better than gold. <laughs> he knows it. Everyone knows he knows it. <laughs> he just can't ever admit it. And I don't know understand why he just doesn't bloody admit it. But look, saying that, you know, I know I know, Joel, when you do your rabbit hole story that you might want to have the talk about gold. But Peter Peter Schiff he he, he um I don't know. He's just a salesman.
0: Oh yeah, good explanation. I like that. I always go with um, snake oil seller because that's sort of the feeling I get if I see him. Yeah, he's a clever man. Don't get me wrong, but he has that weird thing about him. I, I would love to have him on a Bitcoin stage one day, but I think he'll pass. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you. I don't know what the reception would be. You know what? I could imagine because it's hard to say. To me, he is a bitcoiner in some sort because if you read what he t- puts out he understands a lot of it i think he understands more than what he gets out there or puts out there um mm. but there's still some missing pieces but you see that with a lot of gold bucks so nothing major nothing new if you know a lot of these people all of them missed the boat with the internet essentially
1: but do you know it's people like kim that, that make me um it reinforces my don't trust verify mindset because it's people like him that are putting out a different signal. Um, and sometimes I'm like, you know what? Let me just sort of consider this for a minute as as true, as his truth. And Rather than just immediately rejecting it. Just take it in and think about it a sec. Because I don't want to get stuck in an echo chamber um, about Bitcoin. You have to check um, the outside um, while you're examining the inside. Um, so, if you think about it as like a, a rabbit hole and a, a rabbit Warren, you always need to stick your head up now and again to see where you are, um, and then go back down again. Um, so, people like him is useful for that.
0: Yeah, we all need a uh, fresh, fresh air.
1: But the, the, the but the air up the air up the top is 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 getting more and more toxic. So, it's it's, it's cleaner air the deeper you, deeper you dive
0: down the Bitcoin rabbit hole. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, Ian, before we wrap it up. What is the one thing you want to give the audience um, back out there, whatever you want to call it, um, in terms of if if they feel stuck in their own rabbit hole story, if they feel like, oh, okay, I've seen everything in Bitcoin. Or be the one seed you would plant that they continue digging down the hole.
1: I I think you just need to um, be kind to yourself. I know that sounds a little bit corny, Um, but it's true Um, and it kind of relates to this stay humble thing. Um, You come across things that make you angry, make you frustrated Um, and that's reasonable. You're allowed to be angry and frustrated. Um, You've got every reason to be, but don't get lost in that. Um, You know, take those moments to yourself to have your mental rest, be kind to yourself um, live life um, as if there's already a Bitcoin standard. And what I mean, I think, by that is um, just sort of um, be a bit more humble and um, caring and patient. Because I look around sometimes and I just think, oh, you guys, you, you in your fiat mindset and stuff like that, just get out of your you know fiat mindset uh you want to shake people out of it sometimes but you know they're just not ready yet um that everyone has to start their journey somewhere um i'm just fortunate enough to have started it when i did um and just sort of um carry that kindness out there and whenever the bitcoin topic comes up with people um, i might be in company with people and Bitcoin comes up and people are now aware that I'm into Bitcoin. So then they might be curious and ask me about it. And I'll just sort of like sit there and listen to them. And, yeah, all the usual fud comes out about energy and it's bad for the environment. But, you know what, that's what I kind of thought before I got into it. So I can't just sort of go on the attack. I've got to sort of like invite them into the space more and force them into it.
0: I think that's the perfect ending uh before we head off ian is there anything i forgot to ask you you'd like to include in the episode as well
1: no um i mean joelle did comment on on it a couple of times the link i think to my full rabbit hole story is in um is a link somewhere um give it a read it'll probably take you what 20 30 minutes joelle depending on how slow you read um but if anyone um has got anything to say about it say it um DM me, tweet something, tag me, whatever. It can be this guy's an arsehole or oh, I want to know a bit more about that. Just, just do it, say it. We, you know, I'm open to having a conversation with people um, because I'm, I'm willing to sort of change my mind. I'm willing to to grow um, and, and see where this rabbit hole takes me.
0: Yeah, and Ian is definitely not one to bite. He's quite the opposite. He, he'll hug you in and not let you go <laughs> from personal I'm experience. I'm a <laughs> He's a hugger, yeah. <laughs> Ian, it's been lovely having you on. Um, I really like the different topics we covered with your rabbit hole story. Um, and I'm looking forward to having many more chats on our lovely show. And for any one of our lovely listeners, if you want to help us out, there's two ways of doing it. Actually, there's three ways, but I'm going with the two easy ones first. Obviously, follow us everywhere. We'll have the social link. we we'll have our website linked. We always have all of the materials discussed link. Um, we're on Twitter, very active. So be there, or be square. Uh, secondly, we'll also be able or open to accepting uh, ratings. So if you like what you hear so far,
1: Ooh.
0: give us a rating on all of the Apple stores, podcasting stores that are out there and um help spread the word this way. Or thirdly, If you like to stream some sets or earn some sets along the way, podcasting 2.0 is really easy. We'll have our uh, streaming service ready for you. Just use one of the lightning enabled podcasting players and uh, you can help us out with some sets and you can earn some sets along the way. So it'll be a win-win value for value transaction.
1: Yeah. Happy proof of keys day um, guys. And I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Joel was up uh, with his rabbit hole story next uh time so yeah i'm excited to have a chat with joel about his rabbit hole story and see where we end up down the down his uh down your hole <laughs> joel
0: <laughs> the rabbit hole <laughs> uh i wish you all the best then ian and uh we'll talk soon
1: nice speaking to you joel and yeah see you next time